Why are you so interested in trying to impress everybody? I mean, if you think about it, you're trying to impress your family so that they accept you, your boss, your partner, your friends, and more often than not, even the stranger on the street without you knowing about it. It's a subconscious thing. We want to look good in front of the herd. Now, human beings are herd animals. We like to run with the crowd, but we also want to be individual and appreciated for that individuality. So in this week's episode, I'm going to share with you some things I've learned from our dear friend Plato in his book titled The Republic. I'm also going to give you a few updates on the community, which are massive and are going to help bring you closer to enjoying the kinds of online activities that maybe you've been hoping for the way I have, including book clubs and live classes and just meeting other friends who love to read. All right, let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to this week's episode of the Read Well Podcast. My name is Eddie Hood, and I'm your host, where I believe it's more important to read well than to be well-read. So grab your favorite book, open up your notes, and let's get ready to learn something fascinating. Wow, it has been a fantastic week for me here at the Readwell Podcast. I have been spending a lot of time asking myself an ultimate question, which is this. Why did I start this podcast in the first place? And it got me thinking about where I was at in my own personal life several years ago, where I loved to read, but I felt like I did not have a supportive community that I could read with. Now, there are book clubs and other things, but where I live, I live in Utah, it is somewhat hard to find in-person book clubs that are well-populated. And if you do happen to find a book club, they're typically not focused on the kinds of topics that I'm interested in. I do love to read fiction, but I, I'm not interested in joining a book club that's fictionally based or especially like a contemporary genre. While those are fun and it would be enjoyable to make friends and have a glass of wine or whatever it is that you're doing, I am more interested in talking to people about challenging texts that I don't quite fully understand and I would like to get deeper into the meaning of. So I have always loved philosophy, as many of you know, and I love psychology and just lots of different things related to personal development and behavior. Well, in order to create that kind of book club or to be a part of it, I felt like I had to make one. And so I've been spending the last year or two trying to build the, you know, the book club and the community that I've always wanted to have in my personal life. So this week has been a major infrastructure week, and I've got a lot of updates to give you. So again, in this week's episode, I'm going to share with you the changes I've made to hopefully improve your experience here. And we're going to talk about Plato and his book, The Republic, and how it has to do with you working so hard to impress all of the important people in your life. Okay, let's jump into Plato first and to hopefully encourage you to listen to the whole episode. I know, sneaky, sneaky me. I'm going to give you some of the updates on the community and the book clubs and everything else here in just a few minutes. But let's dig into this philosophical question and why I'm reading Plato and what it has to do with you in your own personal life. Plato wrote a book called The Republic. And in fact, this is a text that is broken up into 10 separate books. Plato wrote this is sort of as a homage to his teacher Socrates. And so each of the books are written in dialogue form between Socrates and several thinkers of the time. Most of them tend to be young men or people coming up in society who have philosophical questions. And so Socrates is always going back and forth with these people to one, question what they think to be true, and also to try and get a more philosophical point across. So here's the question I'm posing to you. Why are you working so hard 
to impress everybody in your life. And sometimes you don't realize you're doing it. I do the same thing. Why is it so important to us to always look good? In book two of The Republic, I want you to try and picture with me if you can, Socrates is standing there, you know, in, in Athens with his robe on, looking very regal and wise, and he is speaking with a gentleman named Glaucon. Now, Glaucon is one of Plato's brothers, and they're having a conversation about morality and really the motivation behind why people choose to be moral. In other words, why are people trying to be good? And the ultimate argument here, there's two sides. There's always two sides to every argument, right? Socrates' argument is that it's important to be moral so that you can internally enjoy the benefits of being moral. In other words, you can live at peace with yourself. You can receive the benefit of being a virtuous and moral person. You might not always get the upper hand. You might get taken advantage of but at least you will have been moral, and that is the best way to live. Glaucon disagrees. Glaucon's argument is that people are moral simply because it is the most prosperous way to live. And in fact, when you choose to be moral, really the benefit here is that you want to appear to be moral. You want to look like you're doing the right thing for your friends and your family and society. You wanna be held up high to have a reputation and to be esteemed as the good person. But really, the benefit comes in acting immorally. And if you can get away with acting immorally while still looking moral, that is the ultimate outcome. And that, according to Glaucon, is how you should live. So to sum that idea up, if you can look like the good guy, but in the shadows, you can steal and thieve and work your way up the ladder. That is how you get ahead in life. That's how you enjoy prosperity. You get all of the benefits of both sets of morality. It's a win-win. Socrates does not agree. And to get this point across, I'm gonna tell you a quick story from book two. This story is fascinating. It's called The Ring of Gyges. The person telling this story is Glaucon and he's trying to get his point across. And I'm curious to know if you would also fall in line with Glaucon's argument. Do you think Glaucon is winning this debate? So here is the story of the Ring of Gyges. Gyges is a shepherd and he is out one day tending to his flock and it's a beautiful day and you know the sun's shining and the birds are out and the, the sheep are wandering amongst the plants chewing or whatever. <laughs> And unbeknownst to him, all of a sudden, something begins to happen, and now an earthquake takes place. And a big crack forms in the earth, and Gyges now falls through the crack. So he ends up in the bottom of this cavernous area, and as he wakes up and sort of looks around, he sees a large room down there with a big door. And on the door is painted a giant, beautiful horse. Well, Gyges comes to his senses, and he walks to the door, and he opens it up. And he peeks in and what he sees inside is a giant corpse, a very large humanoid looking person. And there is a ring on this corpse's finger. Now, Gyges disturbs nothing. All he does is simply slip the ring off of the giant's finger. And then he walks up out of the crag and gets back to his shepherding duties. Now, later that night, he is sitting around the fire with all of his shepherd buddies and they're talking about, I don't know, what they're gonna do this weekend, who knows. But as Gyges is sitting there, he begins to spin the ring on his finger. And as the bezel turns inward towards his hand, he disappears. All of his buddies are like, hey, where did Gyges go? And they begin to talk about him as if he wasn't there. Now, Gyges is sitting there completely invisible, thinking to himself, 
whoa, this is great. Now, if this is starting to sound a little bit like the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, I completely agree, and I've got to make the argument that Tolkien must have been reading Plato, and which wouldn't surprise me, and maybe he got his inspiration from here. In fact, I'm pretty sure that he did. So Gyges turns the ring back to its normal position, and he reappears around the campfire, and all of his friends are like, oh, hey, there's Gyges, how's it going? And they just go on with life as normal. And a light bulb clicks in Gyges' head. He realizes that at any moment in time, he can disappear, which means he can do whatever he wants and get away with it. So what does he do? Well, he gets himself appointed to the king's court. These are people who are reporting to the king about the size of the flock, the amount of grain in the storage shed, and so on. And while he's serving in this capacity, he uses the power of his ring to get into the queen's chambers and seduce her. I know, naughty, naughty gaijis. Once he has the queen on his side, he convinces her to murder the king, and he then puts himself on the throne. Gyges overtakes the kingdom as a simple shepherd and becomes the most powerful person in all of the land. And the argument that Glaucon is trying to make here is that if a person has the ability to do whatever they want without any consequences, they're always going to do what's in their own self-interest. They're not going to do the morally right thing. They're going to take care of themselves and their own. Now, I'm not going to lie. That is a pretty strong argument. Hey everyone, I want to take just a quick second in the middle of this podcast to tell you about Highlightish.com. Think of highlighting a book, but add I-S-H at the end. Highlightish.com is the tool that I use to make better book notes and to organize my writing. It's where I go to capture my favorite passages, annotate them, and then to turn that research into essays, blog posts, or research papers. If you're someone that wants to get more out of the books that you love and you want to turn that into great output, go to Highlightish.com today. Thanks for listening and let's get back to the show. As Socrates listens to this story, he does a really good job of refuting why the motivation for being moral is a little different than what Glaucon's suggesting, but we're not going to get too deep into that today. Instead, I would like to leave it in your court to ask yourself, what do you think? Do you think Socrates is ultimately right, that it is more important to be moral so that you intrinsically can live a peaceful life? And is that actually how you live? Or do you think it's more important to simply look moral, but when push comes to shove, you really got to take care of yourself and your friends and family? I think most of us really want to look moral, including looking moral to ourselves. So our gut reaction is going to side with Socrates. We'll be like, well, of course, no, you should be a good person just so that you can be a good person. But if you actually look at your daily activities and how you behave at work, how you behave with your friends, how you behave with strangers on the street, how you do what you do in the normal community, I would venture to wage that there are times when you do what's best for yourself rather than the group at large. Now, does taking care of yourself make that immoral? Not necessarily, but the idea behind morality typically is that you take the greater of two less evils, right? And so if many people could benefit over simply you, most morality people <laughs> would suggest that you go with the larger group. So chew on that for a minute and consider what you actually believe and how you live. Now, to drive this point home that people really do care more about appearing moral more often than actually acting moral. There was a study done at a university where they put a pot of coffee in a communal area 
And then there was a sign that said, if you take a cup of coffee, please donate some money to cover the costs of the drink and to say thank you or whatever. I think you get the point. And the idea was to sort of lean on people's charitable effect. Well, they ran an experiment where they put a pitcher of flowers over the pot of coffee one week, and then they measured how much money was brought into the system. And on the opposite weeks, they would take that pitcher of the flowers down, and instead they would replace it with a pitcher of human's eyes. So just like if you think of a strip of a face and all you can see is the eyes, they put the eyes above that sign. And what they found is that on the weeks where the pitcher of the eyes were present, rather than the flowers, the amount of money put into the pot was tremendously higher. And what they conferred from this is that people really, really pay attention to their moral activity when they feel like they're being watched. It was a subconscious thing, but just the fact that eyes were present made people put quite a bit more money into the pot. So that's my update on reading from this week in terms of Plato's Republic. Now, again, once I finish this book, I haven't finished all of the Republic yet, so it has gone really well for me so far. But before I recommend it to you, I will be finishing the whole thing and then I will do my standard book notes and put those into the community and then give you a thumbs up or thumbs down if I think it's going to be worth your time to read. Spoiler alert, it probably will get a thumbs up because it's been really fun to read so far. But let me get through it before you jump in. So let's dig in now to some of these fun community updates that I really think will improve your experience here at the Readwell Podcast. If you are coming to the community as a podcast listener and you haven't experienced any other view of what we're trying to do or what I'm trying to do here to create the ultimate place for readers to gather and to learn from each other and what have you, uh, let me tell you about some of the things I've done. So I recently redid, just a few days ago, in fact, my entire website. If you go to thereadwellpodcast.com, what you're going to see is a very different view of the website. Before it was your typical site, there was lots of color and lots of pictures and sort of static pages, and I hated it. <laughs> I despised it because that's not what this is supposed to be. The Readwell podcast is supposed to inspire us to read more, not be a place to market me or, you know, whatever I've got going on. I wanted you to be able to go there and get access to tips on reading, tools on reading, a community for readers, and all of the other things that I want to build for everybody here. So what I did is I changed the entire layout and now it feels much more like a newspaper, which I love personally. It's almost all black and white. It's text focused so that we're focusing mostly on the messages being presented. And there are a couple of really valuable things. I think they're valuable anyway. Right now I've labeled a section called read. I might adjust that title a little bit because each day I'm posting different thoughts, tips, tricks, book recommendations, interesting ideas I'm learning from reading, my podcast episodes go there and so on. It's just a daily sort of newsreel that if you're interested in, you can turn to in order to get inspiration to read new things, to try new things and so on. I really am enjoying writing there on a daily basis. But also in, in a selfish way, 
I actually enjoy writing on this website far more than the other one did. Again, it feels like I'm writing a newspaper, so it has that editorial sort of feel, which I just love. <laughs> and geeky side note, I recently downloaded an app for my MacBook titled Loud Typer, L-O-U-D-T-Y-P-E-R. It's just an app if you go to the App Store. And what it does is it makes my MacBook sound like a typewriter every time I press a key, and that just makes me happy. So now that as I'm writing for the community, I get this kind of sound. And when I hit return, you get the zing sort of sound. It's perfect. I love it. If you are older than, I don't know, 35 years old, you'll probably appreciate this thing. I used to have to write my homework assignments on an old typewriter that my mother had. And I sure as heck miss doing homework that way. It just feels more tangible. The second update I've made this week, if you go to the readwellpodcast.com, you'll see a word in the navigation bar titled community. I have finally released our community, which is a space for us to go and connect and grow. And so you can join that community absolutely free. There are paid benefits for certain spaces. Really what this is, if you're familiar with Circle, it's a Circle community, circle.so. I've just rebranded it so that it is all the Readwell community. And when you log in, you'll be able to create an account all by yourself. I'll make it sound like it's a hard thing. It's not. But when you register on this thing, you'll have access to introduce yourself and have conversations in the community and get announcements for what's going on in terms of live events and everything else. And then if you decide to be a paid member to support the community, first of all, thank you so much. That that support is really helping to drive this and make it grow. And it's kind of like supporting a small bookstore. You know, just this idea that we're trying to keep readers together and reading alive means a lot to me. But for the paid community, there is access to additional live events like my weekly book club that I host live online. And I'm going to be putting courses there on note taking and courses on specific books. For example, I might do a course on Plato's Republic once I finish it and and gather all my notes together. Those kinds of things will be available for people who want a deeper dive into reading and making it a more serious endeavor in their personal lives. Finally, the last thing that I want to give you an update on is in our social media accounts, or my social media accounts. I keep saying R, like there's 100 people here. There's not. It's just me. It's just Eddie. Just this guy who loves books and wants to, you know, read with you. It's the weirdest thing ever. Anyway, on my YouTube channel, I am documenting my experience going through the Yale University's philosophy course. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you probably know about this already, but Yale has kindly offered their philosophy course online or one of them absolutely free. You don't have to register or anything. You can just go start watching the lectures and so on. And if you decide to follow along with me, the benefit here is that you don't have to pay all of the money and you don't have to go through all of the homework. You can simply watch the videos. I put out one a week. There are 26 lectures. So by the time I get done doing my intro video and my summary video, I will have 28 videos in this whole playlist. But as you watch them, you'll get a quick summary of the homework and the reading and you'll kind of get the nuggets out of it. And that'll be sort of a Cliff Notes version if you prefer to do it that way. Because right now, I'm spending between 15 and 20 hours a week in order to get the reading and the assignments and everything done. It's it's pretty extensive, absolutely well worth it. And if you have the time, I would encourage you to do it. But if not, feel free to follow along with me on YouTube. 
Hey, that's it. If you found this episode helpful, I want to encourage you to go to thereadwellpodcast.com and join in on the fun. You can go there and you can subscribe to the newsletter if you like. You can click on the community tab and create an account there and begin to have conversations with us and get in on all of the fun that is going to build and grow. And I'm going to be adding more and more features over time to try and create as valuable of a place as possible. And I'm going to try and make as much of it as free as possible. So thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me and for the efforts here in order to keep reading alive and to encourage others to pick up books and to know that their thoughts are worth sharing. Oh, finally, I created a new tagline for the show, which is really sticking with me, and I hope it sticks with you. So the new tagline is this, read slowly, take notes, apply the ideas. All right, until next week, everybody, thanks for reading, thanks for listening, and have a great week. If you'd like to take your reading to the next level, then head on over to our website at thereadwellpodcast.com. There you can get access to my weekly newsletter as well as up-to-date show information. Also, don't forget that I learned software development on the side just so that I could build a program to help us make better book notes as we read. If you're interested, go to highlightish.com. Think of highlighting a book, but add ish, I-S-H, at the end. Highlightish.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next show.